Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. My name is Charles Reese, your host, and as always, after LSU. Has another victory. They moved to 12-0. I am do- joined by Josh Lemoyne. Y'all can catch him on Twitter at LSU F-Ball Truth. Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Another LSU win, 12-0. Headed to the SEC Championship. Everything's good down here. Yeah, look, we saw some smiles. We saw some celebration. It was senior night. LSU mm-hmm. improves to 12-0. SEC West champions. Already knew they were going to go to Atlanta, but they cap off a perfect regular season. Second one in LSU history as the other one came in 2011. Uh, this time, LSU takes down a rival, uh, uh, you know, a game that we talked about with Mike Josh um, that had some revenge factor to it. But mm-hmm. I think what's important with this team is it's 1-0. Once again, 1-0 this week, and uh, it's a clean slate as we're out Tell the Truth Monday. LSU is 0-0 and again as they go to face Georgia, but we are going to talk about this A&M game. Is, look, Josh, uh, let's be frank. Let's be kind. LSU, let's not be kind. LSU skull drag. <laughs> uh, they were skull dragging Texas A&M the entire game. That first half, man. Uh, 31-0, and A&M didn't do anything. They had less than 100 yards in that first half. It, it was really an embarrassment uh, as an A&M fan if you're watching this game, and there were a lot of them there in Tiger Stadium. It, it was bad, Josh. I mean, it was really <laughs> bad, and LSU did whatever they wanted to to this team. Yeah, when you look at that, Charles, uh, at the half, 31 nothing, kind of sat there for a minute, and I, I really looked at, like this, Charles, that we knew, we know LSU's talent level is above Texas A&M. We know Jimbo's got there. You know, he's done a good job recruiting so far. He's brought in some nice talent. But that first half, to me, showed you where LSU is still at and where they're headed as far as talent goes, as far as guys that are going to the NFL, and where Texas A&M would like to get to. You truly seen it in that first half. LSU was mentally focused. The defense was playing lights out. You've seen the athletes flying over the field and in, in that two quarters of football texas a&m found out that lsu is still quite a ways in front of us kind of where lsu was chasing alabama a few years ago you know we knew that was a talent gap you've seen it in that first half and lsu exploited it with just speed play calling scheme it was it was a rough first half if you're a recruit watching that Headed to Texas A&M, you know, you know, you going in there with some work to do to try to catch up to LSU. Yeah, look, I, I you go from a game last year where it's like A&M's playing better. You see all the talk mm-hmm. from Ellen Mon and stuff like that. And and Josh, the biggest surprise in this game, we all thought LSU would be able to do whatever they wanted to against A&M offensively. Like no one stopped them. We didn't think they were going to stop them in this game. It's that LSU's defense played really well. And look, Kellen Mond, ten for thirty, had a bad game. I mean, his QBR for the game was 8.5. They took him out of the game. He had three picks on the game. Rushing-wise, they only rushed for 72 yards. And look, you take away the the nine yards from sacks and stuff. And, you know, uh, LSU just absolutely imposed their will defensively. But the biggest thing was that LSU's front 
you know, pass rush was incredible. Look, Kellen Mond wasn't able to set his feet. He wasn't able to get comfortable in the pocket. And it was from all over the place. It was from the defensive ends. It, you know, it seemed like Chason and Coach O said it today. Chason and Lawrence played their best game of the year. And it even came from the interior. And it came from guys sacking the linebacker position as guys like Damone Clark, Patrick Queen got into the backfield. Josh, it came from everywhere for this game. But the pass rush was huge and it's something that you hope to see carry over as we get into postseason play yeah Charles when we, when we started this season kind of heading into it not knowing how the offense would be this you know historic and explosive we felt you know we felt good about one thing we felt pretty good about the defense heading into this season and it's it's really kind of been the opposite right I mean we we've come in here and the defense just quite hasn't lived up to the height some of that had to do with the fast-paced offense I know Charles don't want to hear that but I think that's part of it small part um but, yeah, with, if you look at the defense and how they performed on Saturday night, that's kind of the defense we thought we were going to get from the start of the season. We've seen small flashes of it early in the season, but it's kind of went away from there. We had the whole situation with Ole Miss. But just, just that overall sense of that game against Texas A&M, if they start clicking at that level, Charles, they start getting that pass rush from the front four, um, using some of the linebackers on the blitzes, like you said, uh, Marcel Brooks is coming around. He's given given uh, LSU a pass rush off the edge. Chason looks like that five star. If he can consistently give LSU that for the next few weeks as these games get large, that's going to be big for LSU. Off air, we talked for a minute, Charles. This defense on the back end, go look at some of these, you know, all American teams from PFF, things like that. A Stingley's on it. You know, Christian Fulton's on the All SEC team. Dale Pitt, we know, is a preseason All-American. He, he's up for the, all these awards. you know. So on the back end, if, if we can get a pass rush, and it doesn't have to be elite, elite you know, every snap, but if we can get pressure on the quarterback, it really gives these guys on the back end an opportunity to make some plays. Uh, we've seen it, three interceptions against Kellerman. He really shut him down. So that's going to be big, Charles, moving forward you know, against Georgia and Jake Fromm, who's a good quarterback, and as we get into the college football playoff. I think LSU, they can get a consistent pass rush, y'all. You're really going to see an LSU team that's got a legitimate shot, I think, t to win it all. Yeah, you're looking at a team that – and, Josh, you know, the point that I made and the point I made going into this game was that three safety set, something that Aranda really likes to have, especially in these modern passing offenses that like to spread the field out. You saw Mo Hampton once again uh, play and play really well for LSU. You know, maybe you don't see the stat line where – you know, he had two total tackles, had a pass defense in this game. But his ability to be back there, you're not going to see big mm -hmm. stat from that guy unless your defense is playing bad. And he is a guy that you can trust back there. He can play that center field, which, look, Josh, he's a, a, a top baseball elite talent, a guy that was looking at a first-round pick this year, mm -hmm. decided to come to LSU, and he's playing that natural center field position, and, and he plays it well. He allows guys like Jacoby Stevens and Grant Delpit to play in positions where they excel, and that's near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, when you look at uh, Maurice Hampton, and, and uh, you know, I said offline, I, I watched some film today. I got an opportunity to watch pretty much his game. I watched the first half a couple times, and, and I really keyed on him numerous times just to see. And, Charles, he, he's doing exactly what you said. It's not that he's making a bunch of flashy plays. It's not that he's doing anything crazy. But you can tell the coaches trust him. Like, he's where he's supposed to be for the play being called. You know, he's not getting beat. He's just – he's playing the position safe. Like you said, he's got that center field mentality. 
now these coaches feel comfortable say, hey, let's bring Grant up closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jacoby Stevens. Now we can, you know, unleash these talented athletes that we got along the line of scrimmage. You know, so that's that's kind of the first time this year when Todd Harrison went down. I, I think Todd would have got LSU there. We would have seen it. But now we're starting to kind of see that. Where Hampton in the, in the back. It ain't flashy. You're not going to see him do nothing crazy. Yeah, maybe he gets an interception. Maybe don't. But just pay attention to there that they trust him back there. He's playing center field, which does wonders when he's like you said, Charles, when you're playing these spread offenses and they want to get these guys up closer to the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was a big, big factor in this Texas A&M game. Well, looking at this A&M game, look, LSU, tons of success against this team. You know, 50-7 to seven final score, and really that's seven points. It's kind of like, man, A&M kind of got lucky in that drive. And so even in garbage time, A&M wasn't able to score. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. We will get into this game. But we're also going to be talking about some recruiting as that signing day is coming up. Got a big commitment coming up this week as Zach Evans will be uh, announcing where he will be playing. And, and look, Josh, we're recording on December 2nd. 16 days away from that early signing day and things are going to be rolling with that. We're also going to talk a little playoff uh, rankings as we're going to get another, another uh, insight into what the committee is looking as we're getting closer to that final day and LSU gets set to take on Georgia as we will have that preview coming out later this week as uh, Mr. Dasher, Anthony Dasher, who uh, joined us last year to preview that UGA game will be joining us uh, once again. But Josh, let's look more into this. LSU A&M game. Just talk about Joe Burrow's night. The final night comes out with the Burrow uh, spelled differently. Kind of yeah. cements his legend, right? You know, he already was a legend in Baton Rouge, but when he came out in that jersey, I mean, kind of incredible the story of a guy that sat on the bench for three years, dealt with the broken thumb and everything, is now the starter at LSU for his second year. And look, it's kind of like going back to that Georgia game from last year. We're going into it this week that game cemented in terms of his team, who he was, you know, a leader, a guy that these guys wanted to follow behind. They followed behind Joe all year. Joe caps off this 12 and 0 season. He's going to be your Heisman winner. Goes 22 or 23 for 32, 352 and three touchdowns on the night. Josh, just another amazing performance from Burrow last night or Saturday night. Yeah, no, it was, it was another, you know, performance, it just seems like every time he does it, it's, you know, I guess it's becoming the norm now. But I think for most LSU fans that have been watching this team for as many years as I have and more, that you really appreciate it, Charles, like what he's been able to do for LSU, for the program to get it back on top, uh, you know, what he's been able to do for the offense. And that moment was really cool when he came out and, uh, you know, he, his jersey was spelled in the EAUX and just showing his respect for, you know, for the state of Louisiana, for the city. Because I think in many ways, Charles, he, he said it, that he's not a normal student. He's a grad transfer. He goes online. So he doesn't really get to mingle with the, you know, with the students as much as he would like. He doesn't really get that feel as going to class. So I think it's really cool. He kind of want to let everybody know that, you know, I hear you. I see you. We, there's a lot of appreciation here, what you've done for me in Louisiana. And he's kind of like the, the gritty type quarterback you know, that kind of fits in the state of Louisiana. You look at some of the ones from the past, like a Terry Bradshaw, just a, a football-type guy, you know, what he did with the Steelers and Louisiana Tech. You look at Joe and what his situation was at Ohio State. He never really got the opportunity to start. He got hurt. You know, he's kind of a cast-off, sent him down to LSU. It just kind of fits the environment of Louisiana. You talk about Hurricane Katrina, all the bounce back, the flooding in Baton Rouge, the bounce back for this, you know, from this city and, the, and these people. And Joe kind of embodies that whole thing 
you know, the, the bounce back that, that he was able to do coming from Ohio State. You know, he wanted to prove that he belonged to play at this high of a level. And he, you know, and he did that to look, he's probably going to hold up the Heisman Trophy. You can't get any bigger than that. So I think, you know, he's absolutely proved that. But I think when you look at the a community and, and people that would really appreciate that more than anybody, somebody who's a survivor, somebody who can, you know, show that I'm going to put the hard work in. I want to be here. I think it's South Louisiana. It's the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. It's it's this area. I think could really appreciate what he's done more than most areas across the country, because that's what this area always does. It seems to bounce back even in a hard time. So, you know, I, without getting too sappy and without getting too much into that, but that's kind of how I feel sometimes that he's the perfect guy for that situation. Kind of like coach O, a cast off. Nobody really gave him a shot. Right. And coach O wanted to prove that he could do it. Joe's that same type of guy. So I think it's just right coach, right quarterback. You know, at the time you bring in a guy like Joe Brady, it all clicks, you know, and we always do that as athletes in LSU. I think you go five years from now, 10 years from now, Charles, I don't think it, it really would have mattered. It's, there's going to be athletes at LSU, but we were missing that leader. We were missing that, that coach there for a while, we, you know, at, at the end of last. So just, just great experience, you know, for the state and for LSU. Um, won't go too much long on this, but I just want everybody to understand if, if you haven't already, how how big it was for LSU to, for Joe to come here and what he's done for the program. Yeah, look, he's been compared to a guy like Carson Palmer in terms of mm -hmm. the Heisman, but Carson Palmer was a highly rated guy. And yes, look, Joe was a four star, Mister, you know, Gatorade player, Mister Ohio, everything, mm -hmm. all the accolades from Ohio, but didn't have the expectations, especially going into this year. You thought, look, he can make a jump, he could get better, but it was kind of like. He had some accuracy issues. You didn't know what you were going to get. He didn't have the strong arm. But in a, in a night where it's blowing 20 or 30, he made NFL throws outside the numbers. He's made NFL throws all year long at the end of the day. And, and you know, Coach has been talking about him as being one of the biggest recruits, one of the biggest guys to ever come to LSU. And the reason that I'm going to tie this all into Carson Palmer is you see what happened at USC. You go Carson Palmer, next thing you know, you've got guys like Reggie Bush playing there. Mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got the um, John David Booties. You've got the Matt Leinerts. You've got the Sam Darnolds playing there. You've got talented players, and not only just quarterbacks, but you've got running backs, receivers, et cetera. You've got guys on the other side of the ball. People want to come play there. And that's going to tie in with our recruiting discussion we'll have in a little bit later. Uh, just guys that want to play for LSU, they're a hot name right now. But the biggest thing is that quarterback position. LSU struggled there. And I don't know if they're going to have the issues they've had in the past because of a guy like Joe Burrow, a guy that wins the Heisman, that's going to win the Maxwell. He's going to win multiple awards. And LSU's never even had guys in the discussion for, other than maybe a guy like Jamarcus uh, Russell back in 05, 06 years when he was at LSU. But Josh, you talk about him as a castaway, and it's kind of like what this team is, is a group mm -hmm. of guys. Yes, look, you've got talented guys like the Jamar Chases, the Terrace Marshalls, the Grant Delpits on this team, but you also have guys like Braden Fajoko. You've got guys like, uh, you know, look, we talked about Burrow. We talk about a guy like Thaddeus Moss all season long and how he's elevated his play. And then you talk about your coach and Coach Ogeron, but you also have to talk about a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Has 136 yards from scrimmage on the night. Josh, if anything, this may have been Clyde's worst game, right? And he still went 18 carries for 87 yards, averaged almost five yards per carry, had a touchdown, and then also caught four passes for 49 yards on the night. 
Man, Clyde, we talk about it game after game. He steps up for these big games. He did it again, and it's crazy watching him run, Josh. You go back and watch the tape, or even I go back and just what I saw at the game, his ability to just bounce. And you mm-hmm. have to talk about this is going to be a big comparison, and it's going to be something that I'm not sure he lives up to, but his running ability is almost in a way Barry Sanders-esque. Yeah. Barry Sanders-esque. You know, his ability to slip, elude, can, you know, take runs that you think, oh, he's bottled up and still bounce outside, bounce inside, spin, you know, make make a move and fight for more yards. It's got to project well for the next level. Yeah, Charles. I mean, when you look at Clyde and what he's meant to this team, and I think at first it, it goes as let's look at this Texas A&M game. Like, do, you know, do you pick your poison, right? Uh Clyde Edward Lair, you come into the game. He's in really kind of in the national media. Everybody has seen what he can do, a lot of hype. So you can see kind of AM will I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say key on Clyde, but you know, they they know what he's about. You know, he's been a, a big factor in these last few games. Um, but he's still able to run hard. 18 carries, but like you said, 87 yards, almost a five-yard average. He's able to catch a few balls. I just think you got to pick your poison with this team. And then, you know, if you want to kind of shut down Clyde and make sure you kind of spy him, make sure a linebacker knows where he's at at all times, that's when LSU can hit you over top with a guy like Jamar Chase, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson. But getting back to Clyde, when you really look at what he does and you watch that on TV, there's been numerous times in this game where I look like he was bottled up. He was able to, you know, like do a jump. Jump step. He was able to slip out, and he was able to he was able to get a few yards. When you, it looks like, like you said, there was zero yards there. So that's big, especially when you go to the next level. I heard it on Nash, the national TV audience that they had said, uh, as actual NFL GMs and scouts talking about, that, and he he might actually be a running back that can slip into the first round. You know, I would second that. I've I've talked to numerous scouts. You know, there's a handful of teams that believe that he's a first round talent. I think he's a guy. Like we've talked about offline, Charles, depending on who comes out this year and, and you know, mm-hmm. who those running backs are, um, Clyde, Clyde is a guy that I think at, at the peak could probably find himself late in the first round. But I think if we're being more realistic, I think somebody is going to get a tremendous back in, in the second round. You know, depending on if you get a lot of these guys that come out, like, like you said, offline, maybe, maybe he slips into the early third. But I think you probably fall somewhere in, in the second round. But look. You know, I know everybody wants to go in the first round, but man, Charles, considering where we were, right? Talking about him, you talking like season, a fifth round guy, right? Round guy, yeah, and that, and that's you know, we knew he was going to have a solid year. We seen he did, but and before the season started, people were, you know put in the five star. You know, let's let's see, let him kind of kind of dwindle him off the starting role. But he's done nothing but escalated. His, I mean, you know, elevated his play, and it's. I mean, talking about a guy that's going to going to go in the second round, and you know, if somebody really loves him and he has a solid combine, he's going to go probably late in the first round. It, it, here's the thing: if Clyde has that extra gear, you know, like a Travis Etienne has, I mean, Clyde would be a legit first round pick. But we see that time, so he don't doesn't quite have that extra gear to break him break away. Um, so I think that's what would probably hold him back a little bit. I ain't worried about his size anymore. He's ran over guys that are going to be playing in the NFL, you know, every game. So I don't think that's a factor anymore. I really truly believe that if he had that second gear, that breakaway 4-3, speed, then you, he would be a legitimate, you know, first-round guy. And the crazy thing is is that it's that 40. That 40 matters, right? Right, like, right. That cone, cone drill matters. But you see it on tape, and he's has that breakaway speed in moments where – 
he outruns guys, you know, and scores touchdowns. We've seen it time and time again where guys take bad angles on him. And you talk about running over guys. Look, he's a small guy, but he's stocky. He's yeah. strong. He's got that lower center of gravity. So when he lowers a shoulder on a guy, guys don't get as low as him, and, and he's able to uh, use that to his advantage to bounce off of tackles. But, look, Josh, you know, people are always asking us because, you know, we're not the blue check guys. We don't have the – ESPN, the 247, whatever, backing where we get our sources from. But I know you talked to some sources, and they were talking about, you know, some scouts were talking about he's a guy that's first round, second round, and guys have him as their number one running back. And, look, people trust a guy like Mike Dettilia. He said it on Saturday that there's an owner that has him as a first-round pick. There are guys that have him as a first running back on their board right now, and it's because of his versatility. Right. And, Josh, this was another one of those games where he proved that is – he has the 18 carries, he has four catches for 49 yards, and he's also returning kicks, and he can be used in multiple spots, and he's really good at pass protection. He's shown that this year. So time and time again, Clyde has answered the call, and Josh, I can't wait to see what he does in the postseason, but I also can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. Yeah, real quick before we move on from him, try to, you know, Think, granted, he's not going to go to the Saints. The Saints are pretty solid at, at running back with Alvin Kamara and all that. But think of those years with a, a Darren Sproles. Man, just think if you we knew for 100% next year that Clyde Edwards-Belair was going to be was going to go to the Saints and what Sean Payton we'd be doing scheming up in a room for that guy. You know what I mean? So there's going to be other teams in this league that want to, you know, they see what the Saints are doing. A lot of teams are trying to be like that now it, that, man, He's that Alvin Kamara guy. He's that guy that you can use in so many different ways, like a Darren Sproles, but he's bigger than Darren Sproles. He's going to run you over more. So, yeah, I think he's going to fit well in one of these teams, and they're going to use him, you know, similar to how the Saints use Alvin Kamara. Well, look, we talked about awards. Obviously, Joe Burrow's up for three big awards. Mm -hmm. But a guy that's up for an award that, look, you might as well put his name on the plate, just like you're doing with Joe Burrow, and that's the Belichinoff Award, and that's Jamar Chase. Uh, seven receptions, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Josh, he by far is the best receiver in college football, and it's not even close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like Jerry Judy. I, I really I really believe that he's a first-round talent out of Alabama. I, I mean, he's, he's an exceptional talent. But when you really start getting into the – the nitty gritty of the film and the route running, like Coach O said today. I mean, he's just so big and strong. His hands are big. He can go up and catch the ball. He runs good routes. Charles, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he ran a four three, a four four. It just wouldn't. You know, I mean, at times I think he looks like he's super fast on the field, but he is. You know, he's got tremendous game speed. Um, just his physical ability to be able to break tackles and get yards after the catch. He's I think ranked number two in the country. You know, after contact for wide receivers. So he's he's a total package. I know we we see other wide receivers like a Jerry Judy and stuff, but you can watch Jerry Judy Judy at times and see that he's lacking a couple of things here and there. But Jamar's he he's becoming the whole package, and every game he shows you a, a different a different avenue of of what he can do, and it's man it's it's becoming impressive. And we knew that though out of out of high school, we've seen it. I mean, he was a five star recruit, uh, but to to see it all you know coming together. And he kind of has that Michael Thomas about him, and I want to keep happening with the Saints, but as being a physical physical receiver. You know, it's something I think it's a lost art sometimes with in the way that the league is now and the way where the games are going because it's such a spread. So when you see a guy such a physical receiver, 
it's it's kind of a lost art, Larry Fitzgerald type guy. So yeah, Jamar's not going to have any problem uh, in his future. He's going to be a a rich young man, uh, you know, as as the next years come around. Yeah, and, and you just look at what he's done with seventy receptions. He's got mm-hmm. seven touchdowns, one thousand four hundred fifty-seven yards on, on the season. With one less game, he's right behind Omar Bayless from Arkansas State. And the thing about Bayless is he played another game. He has 14 more receptions, you know. Jamar Chase has, you know, just a a mere 16 yards less than him on the season, but still has one more touchdown. And you look at who he's going up against for that Volkanoff Award, a guy in Michael Pittman from Southern Cal. He's got six more touchdowns. He's got almost 200 more yards in him, a little bit more than 200. And then you look at C.D. Lamb, who, you know, 11 games, 20 less catches, but – He's got more touchdowns, more yards again. So, I, look, I think that award's his. And, Josh, the crazy thing is is you talk about how good this offense is, right? And there are some guys in, in the NCAA that I think belonged in this award conversation. But a guy on his team, and, and Justin Jefferson, is just mm-hmm. stepping behind him, has another big night uh, Saturday night where he catches another touchdown. He has six catches for 55 yards. And you look at a guy in Justin Jefferson, Josh, He's got 13 uh, touchdown receptions on the year, and he almost has 1,100 yards on 81 receptions. He's a Cooper Cup type. He's a guy that, you know, he doesn't have the flashiness that some of these receivers have, but he has everything when you go to the check marks, and he has the hands. And, and look, yes, LSU's got a three-headed monster receiver, but really they're two top guys. I'd put them up against anyone in the NCAA right now and, and pick LSU's guys right now. Yeah, I mean, Charles, if let's say a chase, you know, whatever, he went to a different program, he got hurt. Let's just say for a minute, if Justin Jefferson, you know, toss a few more yards on it because he wouldn't have chase with him. I mean, he's the guy we're talking about as a top receiver in, in the country. He's absolutely has the ability to be that guy. Now, you see Chase is just an elite rare type guy that comes around once every 10, 15 years. So but Jefferson has. You know, he has the ability. He is going to fit perfectly, like you said, as like a, a Cooper Cup, like a like a slot guy. Oh, man, there's going to be a lot of NFL teams that are, are going to eat him up. They, they're going to want him. He's just that type of guy. It's perfect for him. He has good route running, tremendous hands. But, yeah, you know, Jefferson, as crazy as it sounds, after last year was the leading receiver coming into this year. You see what Chase has done. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely been a two-headed monster. And Marshall, if it wasn't for the injury, I think we're probably talking about Marshall pretty close to a thousand yards receiving it as well. So, but you know, some of that went to the tight end position. But Jefferson will be will be fine. I think you know when you grade him out, he's probably a second or third round guy. Haven't really got too much in uh, uh, grading him out yet, but he's going to be he's going to be fine uh, himself. Well, look, we talk about the running backs, we talk about the wide receivers, we've talked about the tight ends all season long, and we've also talked about this offensive line as it's continued to improve. And look, you really saw just how much Joe really likes his offensive line, whether it be through the three-part series. I'm not sure if there's any more coming out that Cody Worsham's done about Joe mm-hmm. Burrow. Or just what you saw from uh, the post-game comments and with Holly Rowe and how much Joe really loves his offensive line, they've probably – look, Joe Burrow's taken a huge jump. But if you look at the tape, you look at individual performances, that offensive line is maybe taken an even greater jump, if not as big of a jump as Joe Burrow has done this season. And once again, they played a really good game in that front in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it all off-season, Charles, with, with the pod, and that was – 
I think me and you was probably number one worry, right, was the tackle position. What would we get out of that? And considering some of the, we'll say suspensions, whatever you want to call it, that they had to go to some of the backups. I think the job that Coach O and his staff has done with that offensive line is probably besides let's not let's tow Joe Burrow out of it. He's going to win the Heisman. But when you're looking at, at all the other positions, what they've been able to do to keep that O line together and have it playing at an elite level, we said it right all season. They're going to need top O line play and they're going to need elite quarterback play to be there late, you know, in the season for an SEC championship and to get into the playoffs. And they've got it. I mean, I don't care how good Joe is. If you can't block in the SEC, he's going to get killed. You know, you see that on some of these teams. So they've been able to hold up. I think each week, like you said, they've been they've been improving each week, and you could see it. You know, when you watch film, Joe's just not getting not getting touched as much as he was. And when he they do get a little rush, I don't know if Charles, if you've seen it, but it's nice. Joe can kind of he's getting more comfortable. He can sense it. He moves out the pocket. He rolls out the pocket. He's able to hit, hit some guys on the run. Uh, so, yeah, I think just as a whole with how Joe has been with his offensive line, you can see there's a comfort level there. And a couple of times in that A&M game, you can see how frustrated Lloyd Cushenberry was. And Joe it just quite wasn't clicking, jumping off sides, bad snaps. And you can just tell the frustration between them guys because they know that, you know, they're too good and they got a lot on a lot riding on the future, you know, so uh, just – Tremendous performance by the O-line. And, I, you know, we're going to need it moving forward, Charles. We're going to need it to win the FCC championship and, you know, in the college football playoff. We are. And, look, you look at the score, it's it's a big number for LSU. LSU puts up 31 in that first half. It, it, Josh, mm-hmm. if there's any negative takeaway I have from this game, and some of this may just be because of play-calling situational issues they've had, but third down efficiency, they were four for 11. That's got to mm-hmm. improve going forward. And another thing that I look at and say, man, it's got to improve, it was the penalties. Having nine penalties on the game, I'd like to see some of that improve. But, Josh, this was just one of those games, like I said, to open up where you just completely dominated A&M. You had their will with them. And, look, the offense, yeah, look, they put up 50 points. But, Josh, if anything, it was a defense that was shining brightest. Uh, Saturday night as they held a to 169 yards. We talked about the pass rush. We talked about the way the defensive line played, uh, uh, the defensive backfield played. But, Josh, even the linebacker linebacking play was really good. As you got to see a guy that you haven't seen the past couple of weeks, Damone Clark, get that sack. And that bull rush was important. And you saw that Aranda was really kind of getting in his bag. I think this game was really important to Aranda to show that and this team to show that they are better than what they've been, uh, they've shown so far this season, and they kind of stepped up to the critics. And hopefully, you know, come Tuesday night, maybe this playoff committee sees that LSU's got a defense too. Yeah, uh, look, when you break it down on film, like I said, I watched the film today, Charles, that you've seen a different energy, a different edge. I And that goes all the way to Coach Aranda. I really thought he was – he, the scheme, the play calling, it was, you know, it just seemed like they heard the noise. They heard the critics. I don't care what Coach O can say what he wants about the Twitter machine or whatever. Every one of them young men have cell phones and they get on Twitter, they get on Instagram. They heard it from the national pundits. They heard it from the local guys, from the other teams. And you could just seen it out there. They, they had enough of that, Charles. And they were just, um, even if they got, a, you know, a, a cer- certain play on them, it's just they were playing with a different swagger, a different energy. They were out to prove something. And I say this to a lot of Ohio State fans when I get, you know, into these into these talks, 
you know, even Clemson fans that LSU's defense got 400 yards, ran up on them, Ole Miss. I get that. Bad night, wasn't a good performance. But we, you also have to remember, and this goes for Clemson and Ohio State as well, that the, there's a lot of NFL talent and highly recruited talent on LSU's defense. So if they get it mentally and it clicks, Charles, like, you know, it can click and they could be one, a top five defense in the country. I mean, they have that talent, especially if they can get a pass rush. Um, we kind of thought they would be top 10 all, all year. That's, that was kind of the talk off season that we'd be able to rely on that defense. So if LSU can get up, you know, that top 10 defense that we thought it was going to be, man, you know, this is, this is what we need to be. This is what Aranda gets paid the big bucks for. Hopefully he can continue that swag, that play calling, the defense plays with that same energy moving forward. And I look, they have everything on the line. Everything's in front of them. You know, uh, I don't see why they would. Yeah, and look, the last thing I'll just take away from this game, I would like to see LSU improve. We talked about the offensive line, and look, they played really well, but you can't be giving up, giving up sacks. And it, that right. last drive LSU had, look, they went touchdown, 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 field goal, and then all of a sudden you have a bad drive after you complete a 14-yard pass. You have two sacks, and that really mm-hmm. killed that drive. And in pretty much into the half after they kicked, uh, punted the ball to Texas A&M, you got to improve some of that. And, and I think that's where that, some of that – uh, frustration came from Josh but another positive from this is something that we had somewhat of a concern going into that Alabama game looking from Florida and Auburn was that field goal kicking yeah you had a guy in Cole Tracy last year who Josh I don't know how much NFL you watch but how that guy doesn't have a job blows <laughs> no kidding right consistency <laughs> accuracy look he's not kicking 55 yard field goals but 48, 51, you know, I feel comfortable with Cole Tracy not having the strongest leg, but he's accurate. A guy like Cade York, two field goals that were, I think both were over 50. I I know as long as 51, two for two, six for six for extra point. Cade York has just gotten better and better and better. And that 51, Josh, probably could have been good from 56, 58. I mean, there was a lot of leg left in that kick. He's improved you know as the year's gone on and, and a guy we don't really talk about either and, and Zach von Rosenberg look he has four punts and he averaged 43.8 per punt things like that when it comes to the playoffs when it comes to an SEC championship game are deciding factors at the end of the day when you have a consistent kicking game and, and special teams and it's an area where we saw LSU improve vastly last year They've continued to improve. Yes, look, you're not getting the punt return touchdown. And that's something that we can bitch and gripe about all day long if we want to. But when you have kicking a good kicking game, it can be pivotal or pivotal in big games down the road. And K York is a guy that you trust. Yes, look, LSU wants to get past the 35, Josh. We talked about it. They got conservative because they knew they had a, a surefire kicker and he was going to get you three. Now, look, LSU's being more aggressive, but if you have an issue where you do get sacked twice and you're kicking a 50-yard field goal, you have to feel pretty confident in Kate York right now. Yeah, no, Charles, I think you you covered it pretty well. I, I think both of us were not, you know, when the season started, we didn't really know what we had. We know we had a highly recruited, talented kicker. You know, you see him come out, you know, uh, and do well early in the season. I had a couple misses, had in Alabama. We were, you know, we didn't really want to have to rely on it. Uh, but, you know, as the latter part of the season was closing, Charles, I mean, man, he, he's really come on, come into his own. And the way he's hitting him, Charles, when you watched, he made that 51 and 50-yarder, 
um, he, he's just he's just hitting him with confidence. You can tell, man. He's stepping up there. He, he in his mind, it's, he's going to make the kick. You can just tell when a kicker, it, it's mental with those guys. So right now, he's he's working with you know a lot of mental swag, and he's he's hitting the ball really well. Um, and considering that night, you know, it, I know they had some wind, and you know, it's a, it's a grass field, you know. So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's he's right where we want him to be. It's nice to have that. You made a good point. As these games get closer, the SEC championship, as we get into the playoffs, it's probably going to come down to a kick. You know, you're about to play some elite teams where you're not beating them 50 to 7. You know, so it's good that not only is K talented, but he's got a strong leg, man. And that's that's going to be big, especially maybe playing in some of these turf fields and these indoor fields that you can, you know, a 56-yarder at Tiger Stadium, maybe we could stretch him for 58 if we needed it, you know. So, yeah, man, kudos to Cade and what he's done for LSU this year. Well, Josh, let's move past this and in game. Mm -hmm. There's so much you can take away. You can keep going over and over it again. It's more of just a jubilation at the end of the day because LSU moves to 12-0. and We're continuing to ride this high. And I think, if anything, the biggest thing is to remind fans to not take this for granted. Right. You know, it's been a long time. Enjoy this. Uh, remember it, you know, I, I got to see Joe Burrow for the last time in Tiger Stadium. It's a night I'll, I probably won't ever forget because 10 to 15, maybe 20 years down the road, there's going to be a statue of Joe Burrow next to Billy Cannon. And no one forgets Billy Cannon. No one forgets the game against Ole Miss. I don't think people are going to forget the game against Alabama. People aren't going to forget the third and 17 against Texas. People aren't going to forget last year against Georgia or, or the game against UCF and how the guy takes hits and plays harder. But, uh, you know, going forward, Josh, something we're going to be talking about week after week, especially this episode, our next episode. And I tell you what, we're definitely going to be talking about that recap in the recap. And that's the college football rankings. And the team that moved ahead of LSU was Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State goes to Ann Arbor. They beat Michigan 56-27. Look, another top 25 win for them. But, Josh, you look at it and the defense didn't really impress me. If anything, I thought Michigan beat themselves up. Uh, look, Clemson goes to South Carolina. They beat a team that has four wins on the season. Yes, they beat a Georgia team, but they went 38-3. Nothing too convincing, nothing huge or, or exciting. I thought both teams played all right, but if anything, Josh, I take more away from what LSU did against the Texas A&M than what I do from what Michigan did or what Ohio State did to Michigan, yeah. what Clemson did to South Carolina. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right, Charles. You know, I thought when you, when you watched the Ohio State game against Michigan, I just, for me, what I took away from it is that I do owe you, I do owe you something for that. I lost a bet, but what else I took away from it was, I think Michigan, like I said, would expose them, and what I what they exposed was the ability to throw the football in the first half on on that secondary. You know, I got a lot. A respect for Joe Joe Burrow in this offense, and you've seen it. Jay Patterson was was almost able to rack up 300 yards passing in the first half against that against that secondary. Yeah, granted they clamped down in the second half, but that's all I needed to see was that was that first half of play, and that's kind of what I took away from that game. I, I do think if Michigan doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, fumble the football there, when I think that game's much closer than than how it ended. Now, that being said. Ohio State is extremely talented. They probably got the most talented player in the country, you know, Chase Young coming off the edge, um, potential number one pick. They got Justin Fields, who's number one quarterback out of high school. You know, I, I, 
they're extremely talented, and if LSU has the opportunity to play them, it's, it would be a tremendous game. Uh, Clemson, I just don't know, Charles. Like, you, you brought it up. I just don't know quite yet. Got a couple of friends that are Clemson fans, and they think, oh, we're not scared of Joe Burrow. We could handle LSU. And that, that might be the case. I just, I just don't know yet. I haven't seen him truly get tested enough in these games like LSU's been in. And to some extent, Ohio State's been in. You know, they played some quality opponents. I just – it's hard for me to, to say. I just Clemson lost a lot on the defensive front, Charles, and that went to the NFL. Very talented guys head to the NFL for Clemson. And now we they really haven't been tested by that program that can test it, you know, that can match them up front in the interior. And, you know, Ohio State can, LSU can. So we're, we're looks like we're going to get that opportunity, you know. And then let's say Georgia gets in for some reason, LSU loses. Georgia has that ability on the front lines to be able to test Clemson. So. Um, my personal opinion, and it just ain't being a homer, I, I really honestly believe LSU should be number one in the country um, and Ohio State should be number two. But some people see it different. You know, it's, you know, I don't have a vote in that. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's going to all play itself out anyway. I think if anyone has been the biggest advocate for LSU being number one, it's Mike Greenberg and what he said on Get Up. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, no matter what Ohio State did, LSU should still be one because of their resume, because of the top 10 teams they've beaten. And look, mm-hmm. Texas finishes the season. They don't look as good, but you still count that as a top 10 a victory because of where they were when they, they played LSU. And Texas went through trials and tribulations throughout the season, whether it be injuries, et cetera. That led Texas to where they are. But, mm-hmm. you know, Auburn still is a really good win. They just beat Alabama. And, yes, right. they beat LSU beat a Tua team. Uh, LSU beat a Florida team. LSU is playing a Georgia team. And no matter what that, that outlook or, or what happens in that game, LSU's strength of schedule is going to be better than Ohio State's. And Ohio State people bring up the Arkansas game, et cetera. Look, I don't look at a team against the worst teams they played. I look at a team against the best teams they played. And, and yes, LSU gave up yards. But at the end of the day, they still won. And that's what matters most to me. And when you have teams like, you know, uh, Penn State who loses to a Minnesota team who Minnesota is going to have three losses on the season, may have four after a bowl game. I don't look at, at that victory as being as, as big of a, a deal for Ohio State, e- even though they did beat Penn State handily. Uh, you know, I would like to see what Ohio State does this week uh, against Wisconsin. They, they played them once. And they beat Wisconsin pretty handily. But, you know, you kind of want to see them completely shut them down because what if LSU goes out and shuts down Georgia and and really blows them out in a game that, yes, it's a neutral site, but it's more of a home crowd for Georgia. You know, LSU's got the record. Josh, there's no reason to me that LSU shouldn't be won. But you even see some AP voters jump as Ohio State gained uh, a little chunk of AP voters. And that margin was kind of closed in terms of where the AP and the coaches poll thinks uh, Ohio State and LSU should be ranked. But if anything, you look at the film, Josh, and, and I saw Justin Fields, he missed throws. Mm-hmm. He, if anything, that offense is kind of like Clemson, but that's where the uncertainty comes with Clemson is both teams have really good running backs and, and a guy like J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne. But I think I like you know, a Trevor Lawrence more than I like a Justin Fields and, you know, it's all going to play itself out. But if anything, you should look at the results on the field. You should look at who teams beat. And if the committee's going to stick with what they say, the eye test matters, right? Well, the eye test against A&M should matter because LSU's defense was dominant. Less mm-hmm. than 200 yards against an offense that has been really good this season. 
you know, not the best, but they've been a top 50 offense until they played LSU. And I think that's what matters, Josh. I think that LSU is not going to jump Ohio State this week, but you look at who LSU's playing this week, and you have to think that LSU, if they take care of business against Georgia, they win by uh, a good margin, let's say 14 plus, you have to expect LSU to be number one. So I'm not concerned about it. But then again, it's not metrics that we're putting this into. We're putting into people's, you know, emotions, their minds, and what they think about it in a committee at the end of the day that, look, they're, I heard Moscona talk about it this past week, they're doofuses, you know. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's what they are. And there's got to be some bias in the room, and you know it comes into play whenever they're making these rankings uh, because of who they think teams played, what conference they think is better, the schedule, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to reward a team and like LSU, when they go on the road and play a Texas team, a team that people had uh, as being a really good team coming to the season, a team that beat Georgia and had 10 wins last season compared to a team that goes and plays a Cincinnati team, a team that's not that good. Right. You can't reward a team uh, because committee's supposed to look at that. They say, look, we reward a team for playing better, a better schedule. We'll then do that at the end of the day. Uh, you should have never jumped LSU. Look, we talked about it with Mike. We'll have Mike on because we're going to talk about it before the final rankings come out uh, with him again. But, Josh, I think it's clear as day. I know they're not going to jump them this week, but it's got to come. Uh, you have to be consistent. There's been no consistency with these rankings. And, and look, people say, I, I wish you saw the BCS. I see the discussion for that, but Josh, at the end of the day, look at FPI. FPI has a 10-2 and two Alabama team ahead of LSU yeah. now. So, I don't look, know what that's about, man. You know, take the computers with a grain of salt, but at the end of the day, maybe there's a still a broken system that needs some fixing, and if anything, I look at the rankings right now where LSU sits behind an Ohio State team who, yes, they've beaten some quality opponents, but LSU's beaten top 10 opponents. Ohio State can't do that. They can't say that at the end of the day. And LSU's right. ready to face another one. So, look, it's going to be an exciting weekend this weekend. We'll have that game previewed for y'all later this week. But LSU looks to beat their fifth top ten, uh, top ten opponent, something that hasn't been done in a very long time. But, uh, Josh, let's flip the page. Let's talk about our last topic we're going to talk about tonight, and that's recruiting. Uh, Zach Evans is committing uh, on Wednesday. So this week. Yeah. Tuesday, uh, how are you feeling on Evans? Uh, what's the rumblings kind of been like, and where do you expect him to land? You know, I'd say Zach Evans, or the type of athlete he's been, uh, Charles, you know, a highly recruited guy, and he's been, he, and you know, I know some of the other guys would probably t- say the same. It's he, He's been pretty closed door, Charles. You know, he's been a guy, he's kind of been all over the place. He's shown some signs to different schools, Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU. You know, he's been kind of all over the place. Nobody really, nobody really had a good lock on him. And I think sometimes that's good. You know, that's that's what's enjoyable about uh, about recruiting. Um, you know, when you watch the film on him, Charles, he's 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 a special he's a special running back. He, you know, he's he's got the talent. Um, I think any team, you know, that last couple of teams would love to have him. Kind of the rumblings that you see from a lot of the the big the you know big media heads and stuff like that they they you know they pick a lot of them are picking LSU it looks like I think the the main fellow for rivals of two four seven today picked them uh, had a crystal ball them to uh, to LSU so that's kind of what I have some look I have some some sources in a Houston area um, this is what they tell me you know and I and I'll, I'll put this out there that 
looking at LSU, looking at the situation in LSU, the family atmosphere. If if you know a little bit about his past in the last couple of months, he had some issues on his high school football team with his coaches. My sources say it would be a good place for him to go. They, they think he's going to end up at LSU just because of kind of the kid he is, what he needs in his life. Obviously, the LSU offense, I mean, he'd be a stud in it. You know, he'd fit in it immediately. Um, so the guys I talked to, some of the coaches in the Houston area, they all kind of feel that it, he, he kind of needs LSU, you know, and it, that, that's where he should go. They think that will fit him well, kind of get him out of his state, get him out of, around some of his friends, get him there into that community, that family community. And they kept bringing up Coach O to me, Charles. Like, he needs O. He needs Coach O. That's what he needs in his life right now. He's a good kid. He's just kind of got to get out of Houston area. He needs, he needs a LSU-type program. So, you know, I'm going to take that for, you know, I'm going to take it what it's worth. So um, it sounds like he's, look, he might end up at LSU. Man, and what a, what a big get, you know, for LSU if, if they could get the number one running back two years in a row. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a big one, Josh. I have to ask because we mm-hmm. saw rumblings today. A, a guy in Lorando Johnson, a safety, said his com- his recruitment is open, mm-hmm. but he's not decommitted. Is is that something we should be concerned about, or is he kind of just playing the field? Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't like putting too much personal stuff out there, but I, I would just say that LSU is is um, you know, has moved on. It's moved on from it. I think that I think there it's it's done. I'm you know, I don't want to put all his business out there, but I, I just think it's something LSU fans should, you know, there's, there's going to be some other options for LSU. Um, and I think LSU right now has a lot of a lot of kids that want to come play for the program. Let's just leave it at that. And uh, they're not stuck. You know, I think a couple of years ago, Charles, you know, it would have been a big deal. But at the moment, LSU, you know, they're, they're getting a pick of the litter. So um, I think LSU at this moment has has moved on from them. Interesting. Um, Josh, look, LSU sits at 24. They get a guy like Evans at 25. Uh, they may go back to 24 if Lorando decommits and his offers pulled, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. uh, recruiting's hot. You saw a lot of big names. Yep. We're talking about 2020, and I think there's a couple of guys. Like you see, Doomerville is going to be committing soon. Uh, a guy like Birch, people have really high. I saw that Mike Scarborough put a piece out about him today. And mm-hmm. then you talked about uh, a guy – and the number two overall prospect in the country. Look, you know, and Birch, I think he's yeah. a guy that could end up at LSU. And then, you know, you look at the outside linebacker from Georgia and Phillip Webb. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, LSU could end up with a really good class, and some of those guys are the guys we've been talking about and, and thinking they may end up at LSU um, tentatively, right? You know, things right, like right, right. how recruiting is. But, yeah. Josh, let's look past 2020. Let's look at 2021, 2022, because there were a lot of big names there this weekend. Are there some big names that LSU should be watching that could be flipping or not only flipping, but could be committing soon? I know there's a receiver this weekend, but other than that, talk about that receiver LSU got from Mississippi and also, you know, some of those other names that you've been hearing rumblings with LSU. Yeah. So the, what the number one player in the country wide receiver out of Mississippi, not sorry, number one player in Mississippi, uh, 2021 um, wide receiver. Uh, he's he flipped from Mississippi State to to LSU last night. That was kind of uh, you know went on its visit, kind of out the blue. Some pictures surfaced, Charles, of him and and Jamar Chase. And I just think that's this is kind of what LSU's doing, right, Charles? I mean, it, it's is this is what this program's at right now. So um, that was a big get for for LSU to be able to flip a kid who seemed pretty solid in state kid that was uh, to Mississippi State, and they were able to get him to LSU. 
Uh, he's the number nine ranked wide receiver, I think, Charles. If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, number ninth ranked wide receiver in the country. Two four seven has sixteen, but okay. Um, that's also in their composite. Just looking at kind of where they have him, uh, two four seven has him as the eleventh ranked okay. receiver. So he look, he's talented. Six one and a half, one seventy two. Go watch his tape. Look at his yeah. offer list. You know yeah, he's. Yeah. You know, he's up there with everybody. And you look at that 2021 class, Josh, and it, it's wide open. And I think there's a reason that they have it like that because you saw what they did this season. That just tier, like in terms of talent that this class is just going to bring in in the, in the coming months is huge, right? Like we expect 2021 to be yet another big class, yet another top five class for Ogeron. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's, that's where LSU's had, like I said. Uh, let me say this, uh, Caleb Williams, the quarterback, the five-star and number one dual-threat quarterback, spent four days on campus with Coach O and, and, and LSU. That's, that's something Coach O mentioned in his pressure today, Charles. Like, he, he, he said that's recruiting, you know, he didn't come out and say this, but I'm going to say it, that it's probably the easiest it's been at LSU in, in quite a while, probably since 2011, you know, it, and it's when you win that helps with recruiting. I say it every single time. Winning is the biggest tool for recruiting. Um, getting a guy like him, Charles, a quarterback like that is, you know, that's, that's different. You know, that's when Clemson was able to go get a Trevor Lawrence, the number one, you know, quarterback that those type guys, it, it changes it around. You're not searching for a Joe Burrow as a grad transfer, transfer looking for a guy to kind of save you. Now you, you got solid footing on the ground now. When you get a guy like that that comes to your school, Charles, for four days and spends time here, and he, he really spends time with Joe, with Joe Brady and his offense, you know, he, he truly is looking at LSU. And we're seeing that more and more as this 21 class is moving on. There's a big group of names, Charles, and we'll have to do a pod for, for just 2021, I think because of this offense and where LSU's gone from, and, and, and so many names, I can't tell you how many kids hit me up that are good quality athletes who I, at one point I would have thought, yeah, you know what, this kid's a potential LSU, and now he's not just because of where LSU's at. And, you know, every kid it seems like in the country wants to play for LSU right now. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. And you look at Louisiana's class of guys coming through next year, uh, a guy like Mason Smith, who is absolute stud. Yes. going to have top-tier talent. I mean, the top five players in the state next year are top 100 players. And those are the type of guys that you expect to go to LSU. And and you look at a class right now that's got three guys committed, right? So, I, you know, you kind of expect that class to grow, that class to improve. And you expect to see even 2020 to improve as uh, we should get some exciting news Wednesday, but uh, we will, you know, we'll wait to see that get confirmed. But Josh, look, 12 and 0, recruiting's on fire, yeah. uh, and we're talking about postseason play. Uh, Coach O talked about it. This is the first time where he's got to look at his schedule and say, "What do I have to do this week?" Uh, it, because I'm used to just going and recruiting. Uh, this right. week preparing for a football game. He talked about it. He's may do two in-home visits this week uh, as we're getting close to that signing day. And then the week after, he's doing 20, which is definitely a lot more than he did in the past. But uh, probably he's going to go visit a guy like Zach Evans before he announces to see where he's thinking and, and kind of just get ready for, uh, you know, making sure these guys that are signing early will be signing early. Josh, we kind of expect most of this class to be signed up by signing day, or by that first signing day, right? 
Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's the norm. It's going to be the norm, and we we I think we covered this on a pod a while back. That that's going to kind of be the norm. I think uh, the colleges want it to be the norm, you know. And I think uh, LSU will have most of these guys signed, signed, sealed, and delivered there, man. Um, I think it's good for the kid, and the, and I think it ends up being good for the program. We we've talked about this in the past. A um, little bit on Jordan Burks, real quick, Charles. Before we before we ended, I wanted to. Uh, just give a little bit of information on him. So what I'm hearing out of uh, South Carolina for him is LSU's absolutely in his final, you know, his final schools. Um, I'm hearing that it's coming down to, you know, he's close with his mother. He's close with his family, you know, in state South Carolina. He spent some time there at South Carolina. A couple sources I have up there in South Carolina talking to some of the coaches that played against him. And, you know, that um, I think it's going to be, can, can he leave his mom and leave his family and come down to LSU? The family absolutely loves Coach O. They absolutely love the family atmosphere. That's why LSU's in it late in the game. Kind of a father figure, so I'm told that he's the mother, uh, his mom, and him just love that feel. Uh, will it be enough to pull him out of state where, to say, his mom can't drive and watch his games? And that's big for a lot of families. I get it. It's expensive to go see your kid play. So that comes into play a lot. You know that, Charles, with a lot of these kids. So, um, you know, we'll see. That's going to be interesting for me. I think, man, I know LSU fans might, might not like hearing this. I just don't know if he's going to pop to LSU, Charles. I think the family side of it, from what I'm hearing, might might keep him in state. Now, it wouldn't surprise me, though. You know, he chose LSU because of where LSU's at right now. But, man, that's going to be one that uh, it's going to be interesting when he pops, Charles. I'll be, be watching that one close for sure. Yeah, and that one's coming soon as yep, well. Yep. So, uh, he, look, he's a guy that we'll be watching. We'll be watching all these guys. As, you know, the four we've been talking about, uh, LSU getting Birch would be huge. As, you know, top it would be. It, talent, yes. A defensive end, a guy that's going to be impactful from the beginning of the season next year. Um, a guy that's going to be fighting for, for a starting position, honestly, at the beginning of next year. Uh, but, Josh, look, like I said, exciting time. Mm-hmm. Another thing I want to just uh, talk about, or not talk about, just mention real fast before we wrap up here is, uh, look, uh, Texas fired their offensive coordinator, um, and I saw a couple of guys uh, with some inside sources say that, you know, Joe Brady was one of their top two guys they wanted to go after. Look, he's one of the top two guys. It's not going there. Uh, <laughs> today that they are a step ahead. Um, I can confirm that there is a contract in place for him. Uh, the details has just not been announced. Jordy Collada said it today this morning that yep. he's not going anywhere uh, as an offensive – as a coordinator uh, in college football. Uh, if he's going anywhere, it would be a coordinator in the NFL or it would be a head coaching job. And those aren't coming this year. Um, but I do expect maybe a title change. I do expect a lot more money to be going to Joe, Burrow, uh, Joe Brady, but expect Brady to be here for a while. But, Josh – Man, it's been a fun season, right? And yep. it's really going to get more fun as we get into the postseason. No, it's been great. You did a little bit on Joe Brady. Yeah, like Charles, pretty much what you said covered it. Um, you know, I got asked this a lot. Well, you know, wouldn't he go to Texas or wouldn't he Wouldn't he go, you know, wherever that would be? You know, I think when you look at it and talking to a, a few people that LSU, you know, didn't make him, but it, it was a, a good marriage, right? He needed that team. He needed that place. Where allowed him to show his talents. LSU also needed a guy to show him the spread. And LSU is going to make him a wealthy, wealthy man. And I think the average guy would look at it and say, you know, I, I, I owe them that. You know, I owe and the, LSU helped me get here. They had the athletes, the quarterback. Coach O believed in me. 
you know, I think if he would jump from LSU and we know that there's contracts, you know, pretty much already done and all that. But I just think it, it's it would be a terrible look, Charles, you know, if he would just up and after one year, he's the hot name and jump to Texas or something like that. All these media sources and stuff that comes out, you got to think about that for a minute. What would that look like for him as a as a young man in, in recruiting? And it's just it would be a terrible look. So that's why I hate reading some of these media media outlets that is just completely, uh, you know, incorrect. So sorry, yep. I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> it, it, it's all jockeying, you know. Yeah, it is. It, 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 you watch what Aranda did. Aranda jumped fast, you know, jump, 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 and then he's been at LSU for a very long time. Look, this mm-hmm. is the longest tenure he's ever had. Right. Um, I expect, I don't expect Brady to be around at LSU too long. No. You know, I, I expect mm-hmm. to get a few years out of him. I, to be honest, Josh, you know, if we want to be able to play the tape back in a few years, I expect him to be named offense coordinator uh, in a very short time. Right. From now, maybe a co-offensive coordinator in the next year or so, but I expect him to be the head guy because um, we know Insminger was doing this kind of more as a favor, and I know he enjoys it and everything, but I think it's something that we'll see how long he continues to do it. But you have to feel confident in what's yeah. going on, and you have to you know like what LSU is doing and the fact that they're a step ahead. The fact that you have a guy like Scott Woodward there, that you have to feel exceptionally confident that you're not going to. Um, have to worry about that. But you've seen it before with Texas, with Paul Maneri, with Dave Aranda. Uh, look, we had the issues with Tom Herman, right? So we've dealt with this before. We'll deal with it in the future. And, and you know, it's something that you have to feel confident, like I said, with Woodward, with Coach Ogeron, that you're going to keep a guy like Brady. Not something to worry about at all. I'm not concerned about it, Josh. And if that changes, we'll let y'all know. But if you want to keep up to date, make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at LSUF Ball Truth. Make sure you follow the Primetime Podcast at Primetime underscore pod. Make sure you also y'all check out Josh's website at LSUFBallTruth.com. Also, coming later this week, I know we talked about it earlier, but Anthony Dash will be joining Josh and I as we preview uh, the SEC Championship. LSU's in it for the first time since 2011 as they get set to take on the number four Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta at 2.30. Uh, game will be on CBS, as it always is. Uh, but that'll be coming at, out probably on Wednesday, if not Thursday. But for Josh Lemoyne, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy the perfect season as LSU improves to 12-0. And as always, God bless. Ooh.